So women lose their worth as they age. So we're trying to stay 20 using fillers, Botox, to the point that you cannot be immortal. This is something that you can't fix. You can't fix aging. You are going to age. You start aging the day you're born. So there's nothing to fix. It's about transitioning well. It's about moving with grace through these transitions. I guess we have to go into the idea of Botox. We should talk about Botox. Botox actually in the long run will age you. It will age you. So if we use it, but how? You have to explain me. I never did Botox, so I have to understand. If girls are doing this in their 20s now, and they're going to be 40 one day, what is it saying about women that we're not good enough if we don't look this way and we're creating this alternate version of a woman that is literally unattainable without cosmetic procedures? You know, when did we change what beauty was for women? You know, and who is in charge of that? Welcome to Dream Again Podcast. I'm your host, Krina, and I'm a seeker, entrepreneur, and a clear example that all your dreams can become true. I have conversations with amazing guests weekly to inspire you to live your most beautiful, healthy, and joyful life. And now, let's get to my conversation for today. Welcome to Dream Again Podcast, where we explore the extraordinary possibilities of life. I'm your host, Rina, and today we have a remarkable guest joining us. Angela Laurino It's a highly experienced practitioner in alternative medicine, specializing in acupuncture, herbal medicine, and massage therapy. Her wealth of knowledge and passion for healing will take us on a journey through ancient Chinese beauty secrets for better skin. From skincare after 40 to microneedling and acupuncture, Angela will reveal the secrets to useful skin and addresses topics like melasma. Get ready to be enlightened and inspired as we delve into the world of beauty and holistic well-being. Welcome Angela Laurino to the podcast that dares you to dream again. Hello Angela, welcome to Dream Again podcast. Hi, how are you? Good morning. I'm very good. So much looking forward to our conversation. So Angela, I wanted to ask you that there are different opinions regarding the effectiveness of Chinese medicine for beauty-related purpose. Some view it as holistic approach, while others consider it to be unsupported. Based on your expertise and experience, would you address concerns and doubts surrounding the effectiveness of Chinese medicine in promoting beauty and skin health? Sure. Um, well, there's always skeptics and everything, correct? Correct. But when they say it's unsupported, it's hard to say that considering there's 3,000 years of support. I think where we get into um, confusion when it comes to research is that observation is research. And when you have 3,000 years of observation, of cause and effect, and clinical experience, that is the premise of all research. Unfortunately, what happens with the way we do research now 
is we take Chinese medicine, which is a qualitative medicine, not a quantitative medicine. And we go ahead and we try to shove it in a paradigm that is Western-based, which is quantitative, um, not qualitative. So I think that's where the confusion lies, whether it's supported or unsupported. I totally understand you. And it's so interesting because there are so, like you mentioned, there are so many years back where they are, it's, they are clear that that really works and we are still question market. But can you share some evidence-based strategies or treatments that have shown remarkable results in, during your experience? Well, it's interesting that you should say that because, um, I do microneedling and microneedling isn't technically a Chinese medicine-based therapy, although it actually is. We use a, um, procedure called plum blossom technique, where it is a particular type of needle that has looks almost like a hammer. And you flick it on the skin, and it's got what we call a seven-star needle, which essentially is the same disc that they use in microneedling. It's been used for thousands of years for skin conditions. So you flick this hammer <laughs> on top of the skin, and you bring chi and blood up to the skin at the time, they thought it was sheen blood. Now we know it's fibroblasts. Fibroblasts are your cells from underneath that regenerate skin and cells and tissue. So it happens at a deeper layer. You're causing a micro injury to the top of the surface of the skin. And your chi and blood, your natural immune system, creates a healing process from deep layers. And it pushes new skin to the circles. And that's how you grow collagen in new skin. So... Even though microneedling is done with a pen and it's 18,000 revolutions per second, much more effective, correct? Like it's faster, <laughs> but it's still the same premise that they were using 3,000 years ago. So it's hard to separate. I guess what happens with all beauty or medicine, it's hard to separate what they were doing 3,000 years ago because of the language to what's happening now. It's just a change in language and our understanding of things. But the premise is pretty much the same. This stuff has been documented for centuries in books, <laughs> in textbooks. Unfortunately, the textbooks we have in the English world are only 10% of all of the Chinese medical texts that have been written. Only 10%. That's crazy. Only 10%. It's crazy. <laughs> it's insane. So what do we need to do? We need to ch learn uh, Mandarin, like the language, in order to really learn more than 10% or what, what is... Unfortunately, we actually have to learn ancient Chinese, medical Chinese. It's getting even more harder. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's complicated. <laughs> it's very complicated. But again, same thing with acupuncture in general is there's a lot of skepticism. But there is research coming out of Stanford Um where they're studying the mechanisms of acupuncture because they know it works. They don't know how it works, but they see that it lights parts up in the brain. They know it has um, changes in the skin. So, of course, they're not looking at it for skincare because they don't want to know about skincare. There's a reason for that. It doesn't make anybody money. Unfortunately, yeah. If people can go to an acupuncturist, why would they go seek out a dermatologist? Why would they seek out all these creams if they know that they can go to see the acupuncturist, take some herbs or do some topical herbs 
and you can change your skin condition. So there's not going to be research unless somebody can make money. And that's a big factor. I'm very happy that you you raised that topic, especially because I'm really happy that you are here. And at the end of the day, now, step by step, the power of the consumer, it's getting stronger and stronger and you start to question mark things and you have so many tools that and information that uh, you can really um, educate yourself and really understand more um, re regarding that. But obviously we have a lot of noise. I want to go back to the microneedling and acupuncture, obviously have gained popularity as rejuvenation techniques. How do this treatment works actually? And what are the secrets behind achieving and preserving youthful skin? You mentioned uh, a little bit, but I would like to go a little bit deeper into information. Yeah, sure. So I guess we'll start with the acupuncture. So acupuncture is not like plastic surgery and it's not like Botox and it's not like fillers. It's never going to give you the same results as you would if you went and got a bunch of fillers in your face. So expectation is everything. But what it does is it deals with your internal environment that is causing issues on the skin and issues in the face and how we age. So each individual becomes comes into the office and they're assessed. Not everybody has the same pattern diagnosis. It's like um, in Ayurvedic, when they do dosha, everybody's dosha is different. So, I mean, Ayurvedic is also known very well for their beauty and skincare. It's based on your dosha. Chinese medicine, it's based on your pattern diagnosis. So we look at the whole person because a lot of it comes from the gut. A lot of it comes from the kidneys, um, which is about your you know, your endocrine system, your reproductive system, your hormones. Aging comes from hormones, um, especially for women. So that's a big factor. So we look at all of those patterns and then we assess and then we treat you accordingly. But what we do is we do the needles on the face and the needles in the face lift. It's more of a lifting action than say microneedling. Microneedling has a different mechanism, has a different effect better for fine lines, better for hyperpigmentation, melasma, better for um, scarring, stuff like that, and evening out the skin tone. Acupuncture facials do have those effects, but we also use adjunct therapies in those treatments. So we would do the needles, whole body needles, facial needles. Then we would do either gua sha or cupping. Sometimes we'll use certain products depending on what we think is necessary. I also particularly use red light. Um, I love red light. <laughs> love red light. I love it. What red light, for example, is doing? Can you explain? Can you explain me a little bit more? Like, okay, we can. And I think depends of of there are different red lights. It's not just like okay, I buy a red light and this will do <laughs> no. exactly that. Um, can you please explain us what is doing and what we should pay attention when we are buying a red light? Because there are so many now on the market oh, yeah. um, and not necessarily the best ones. So let's start yeah. with what a red light is doing. So a red light is stimulating mitochondria, but on the surface level. So there's different type of light waves. It's light wave therapy. So your body absorbs light waves. We live off of light waves. Sunlight gives you light waves. There's light waves coming off of everything. But different light waves have different frequencies and penetrate at different levels into tissue. So I use infrared, which is a deeper 
light waves. You don't actually even see light. You just feel heat. That penetrates about seven inches into the tissue. So it's much more for like muscle, deeper, deeper mitochondrial, deeper change in the tissue. Red light is a little bit more on the superficial layer. So it works on the skin and a couple of layers underneath the first superficial layer of the skin. But what it does is it generates mitochondrial cell replication. So your mitochondria are your powerhouse in the body. And we need them to replicate. And mitochondria, when they're not useful anymore, they just become this damaged cell. But we don't necessarily, we're not able to get rid of it. So by doing red light, you're stimulating the detoxification pathways to be able to get rid of some, like old cells, generate new cells, and it helps clear up the skin. It helps with um, scarring. It helps with texture. It helps with collagen production. Red light can do a lot of different things. It can also help with eyesight. So it gets a little complicated, but when you're looking for a red light device, and yes, there are so many things on the market, you just want to make sure that the Hertz is a higher Hertz. And it's, I believe it's a 680 Hertz and above. And you want to make sure that your eyes are covered. You're not looking directly at it. If you're looking directly at it, it's okay. As long as it's not making you feel pain, your eyes are watering, you're squinting. You can be across the room and have a red light on. So, and people use them because it stimulates mitochondria in the whole body. So, um, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, <laughs> and totally. I love, as I mentioned, I love red light. Um, I wanted to ask you, what is the minimum? Like, okay, if you go and use it once per month, I don't think it's enough. Like, obviously, I, I personally use it every day. And um, I really have it uh, even on my uh, on, on the side of my, my bed. And I really use red light uh, in the evening um, as even <laughs> the light for my room. Exactly. And I just love it. And I feel that it's really relaxing me. And I really love to even get it closer to my skin. My question is, how often can we use it? Obviously, the minimum. You can use it every day. Every day, but like the minimum, what will be the minimum in the case if, let's say, we don't have a device at home, but we want to do, I don't know, go somewhere or uh, what is the minimum per week maybe that we can use that in order to really see some some benefits from it? You know, it's really hard to say um, because I don't think that I don't think that information is really out as to what the minimum is. I mean, maximum every day, um, 15 minutes a day. You can use it all like all day. After a certain time, it would be beneficial just because it helps with melatonin production. In the morning and during the daytime, you don't want to use it that heavily because it'll throw off your melatonin. You'll produce a little too much. Makes you a little too sleepy. But I usually use it about 30 minutes, I think is satisfactory depending on how much of your skin is exposed. So I have one in my office that I can do the face, neck, abdomen, arms at once. I don't have a large tube. Sometimes they have tubes that you can sit in. I or know stand that's up. my dream. That's my dream. <laughs> that's my <laughs> my future yeah. birthday uh, uh, list uh, to on the top of my list to really imagine. I tried it. I tried it once when I had a severe jet lag. I was in San yeah. Francisco and I tried full body and face. And I have to say that I really could get rid of the jet lag much faster with that yeah. help. 
And that's the thing is because you're exposing more skin surface. So it's really about how much surface area you're exposing. But I would say if you wanted to do 30 minutes once a week, you're still getting benefit. There's always benefit, right? (laughs) There's always benefit. Oh, I have so many questions. I have so many questions. You mentioned about melasma. And obviously, it's a common skin condition that affects many individuals, including me. Could you shed light on what causes melasma and share empowering solution for achieving clear, even toned skin? So with melasma, it's tricky because it is hormonal. Most of the time, it's hormonal. Um, And it is triggered by different things such as stress which is also really happening as an endocrine disruption, right? So you're somewhere in your system, it's got to do with your endocrine system. And it shows up as the mask on the face, birth control, medication, certain medications can also cause it. It's a tricky one. And it's also very like, you know, it really affects you because it can be very emotional in the sense that, you know, it's on your face. Um, acupuncture is great. And so is microneedling. The melasma, I say microneedling all the way. And the reason why is because, once again, microneedling, which we didn't actually touch upon too much, is the fibroblasts. You create a micro injury to the top of the skin, but the skin remains intact. Unlike when you get chemical peels where we actually pull the skin off and leave you very, very exposed to infection. And it's a bigger trauma to the skin. So with microneedling, your first layer is completely intact. You do the penetration below the surface of the skin, which already stimulates fibroblasts, which help produce collagen. Those are your collagen-producing cells, but they're deep. So when you do that, you you connect with those cells. And then I personally use um, apple stem cell. Some people do uh, PRP, which is a platelet, your own platelets, where they spin it. I use apple stem cell. What is the apples? Yeah, this is... Is it, it's a Swiss apple, no? I, 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 Correct. I, <laughs> yeah. It's a Swiss apple. I know apple. that it's a special apple, actually. I was studying that uh, for <laughs> yeah. a project that I worked for. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, they figured out that um, these apples would fall to the ground. And when they fell, they did not rot. So they started to look at them and try to figure out what was going on with them. And they just don't rot. And so their, their chemical makeup is very similar to human skin. So you can use it. For the same reason, it's in a lot of beauty products. Problem is, is absorption. Same thing with hyaluronic acid. Everybody wants to put hyaluronic acid on their skin, but unfortunately, the molecule is so big, it doesn't penetrate through the tissue. So you want to tell me that whatever I'm using hyaluronic acid is just, <laughs> I just yeah. throw the money yeah. out? Kind of, kind of, yes. No, because I use it every evening. So I should just stop doing that, right? At least, well, don't spend money on that. You have a 2%. Penetrating your skin, 2%. Only 2%. Mm-hmm. When you use microneedling with this, what I do is mm-hmm. I make a serum of apple stem cell and I use hyaluronic acid as the base. So when I do that, the holes in your skin, literally 2000% more um, absorption. That's how it works is you're absorbing so much more because you created the micro injury. So now not only are you stimulating fibroblasts, but you're also pushing serum into the skin, which is going to perpetuate even more production of collagen because it's stem cell. And then the hyaluronic acid pumps the skin in the initial phases. It's not the long-term effect. It's the initial. 
So you look great for a while, but then what's happening under the surface starts to happen about two weeks after your first treatment. That's when you start to do the cell turnover. That's when the cells start to proliferate. That's why you only do it four to six weeks, every four to six weeks. So yeah, it's, um, and that works. And the reason why it's good for melasma is because you're actually creating new tissue. So it pushes off the melasma and you actually fix the melasma because you can't get this, its surface, but it's coming from a deeper place. So when you actually push new tissue to the front, the melasma gets lighter and lighter and lighter and lighter. It's all disappears. And then with acupuncture, you stimulate the endocrine system and you fix the underlying hormonal imbalance. That takes a little more time, but definitely doable. But it's a long-term, basically long-term, you solve that. It's, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that. So, but what can we do at home? Is there no. some, like, are you a big fan of, uh, I know that uh, you can do even microneedling at home. Are you encouraged that or not? I don't. The reason why is if we're talking about the rollers, the rollers right. are, first off, they roll. Well, it's like a sewing machine. It's very perpendicular. It's very straight and it's very precise. And it's a disc. So it, it's a stamp basically with needles on it. So it's very perpendicular. It's very symmetrical. You can control it. And you can buy some of these pens at say, I mean, you're in Europe, but like a drugstore, they sell them for like $60. I would mm-hmm. never use one. They're not FDA approved. Anything that can electrocute you, maim you, <laughs> stab mm-hmm. you, burn you, be very wary of. Okay. There's a lot of products on the market. Go to a professional. You'll get better results. But but what can we do at home? Like t- give us some homework for home because maybe, you know, we I say I say they have they have microneedling that are basically stickers with the needles on them. But they are very small and... It's over time. It's not going to be like a professional. Right. But the thing is, is you don't want to use the rollers because the rollers roll and they actually cut. They don't penetrate. So he's doing even worse. It can leave scarring. And also they're very hard to clean. So there can be bacterial buildup. That's not the thing you want to put in your skin. (laughs) You want to make sure that and they're hard to clean. So people use them. I don't think they're that great. They were better um, than nothing before we had the ability to do the little um, the stickers. But I think the stickers are a great idea. But it's going to take a lot more time, obviously. Yeah, exactly. That's what I wanted to, to say. But it's useful. What about vitamin C? There are a lot of topics in order to treat melasma. I understand that basically one of the reasons is just the whole in, in, intern, internal well-being, which I would like to talk a little bit more about um, in, in the short uh, time. But um, what about vitamin C? Is vitamin C helping us with? Vitamin C is great. Yes, vitamin C is great for tissue. Um, same thing with selenium. Selenium and vitamin C are actually for tissue repair. So they're good for wounds. It's good for sprained ankle. I mean, all of it. So it helps with the mediation of tissue regeneration. So yes, vitamin C is great. Vitamin C is also great for rosacea. Another skin pigment issue, right? So Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of finding a good vitamin C serum. Can you recommend us a brand that you like or? You know, I love bioessence. Um, bioessence, they, they have a rose vitamin C. It smells beautiful. It's nice and light. 
it's a, it's an oil, but it's nice and light. So you don't feel like you have this sticky oil on your skin. That's what I use on my patients. There are some other uh, serums or oil or any other. So if you're going to do anything where you're using like gua sha or cupping, which I do love both of those, I use prickly pear seed oil mm -hmm. because it's non-clogging and it has a nice glide and it helps with collagen production and it's a great moisturizer. So, and it's, it's not over the, it's not over the top expensive. Just make sure again, once again, look for organic, look for it in a brown bottle. Yeah. <laughs> when you get Clean oils. Without perfume. Yeah. yeah. And it's got kind of a nutty taste, smell to it. But also when you get oils of any type, you want to make sure they're in a brown bottle. So light doesn't affect it and make the oils go rancid. Okay. That's good to know. So can you explain the connection between the internal medicine and the skin health? Like, for example, when you have a, a client who is coming, um, a patient who is coming to you, can you look to the skin and you can already understand what are her internal struggles, problems? To some degree, yes. Um, some of it's very, very obvious and some of it isn't. But so if somebody comes in and they're incredibly dry skin, a lot of sagging, but they're very thin. They're like a thin person and they have a lot of dryness and certain areas of the face are going to be more pronounced than others. Usually you'll say, oh, they have a yin deficiency. There's not enough fluid in the tissue. There's not enough fluid in the body. And then you'll ask a series of questions to um, really make sure that your diagnosis is on point. And then you start asking about their internal behaviors and environment. Do you sleep well? Do you eat very little bits throughout the day, but you can't eat a big meal? Do you get overheated at night? Do you? So that would be more of a yin deficiency presentation. And that happens a lot with women as they age. And then there's the women who have greasier skin, plumper skin, plumper face. They carry more fluid in their tissue. You would look at them and you'd start asking more about their digestion. You would say, Do you have good digestion? Nine out of 10 times, there's an issue with their digestion. Um, and that's because they have more dampness, this fluid accumulation. Their gut isn't working very well, right? So they tend to have more of a damp heat presentation. They still get breakouts. Um, sometimes they have eczema. Eczema is a big one. Or psoriasis, stuff like that. So that's a damp heat presentation. And then there's the nuances, and it gets a little bit more complicated with each person. But... That's what you start to treat internally. And sometimes we'll do herbs and that will also help with the skin, right? Because you're dealing with the internal environment. I mean, your skin is basically the presentation of your internal body. You can't go from the skin inward. You have to go from the inward to the skin when you're really dealing with like dealing with long-term health of skin. It always comes from the inside. Totally. Always. Tell me. A little bit more about if there are some specific foods or dietary recommendations that can help improve skin health or no-goes. Well, <laughs> um, fried foods, um, only because it clogs up the gallbladder and the liver and it's just hard to process. I think a lot of things, I think what people underestimate is they think water hydrates them. Water is not very hydrating. <laughs> Most people don't absorb enough of their water in the tissue. Water is essential for tissue health. 
um, you'll notice it. You just haven't been drinking enough water. You've been drinking too much coffee. You don't look great. And then all of a sudden you start drinking more water and then you're like, oh my God, my skin looks better. Hydration is huge. But I recommend hydration packets a couple times a week or a pinch of sea salt in your water with each glass so you can keep it in the tissue. That's a big one. That's a big one. So basically, it's not so important the quantity of the water that we are drinking. It's more important to have some sea salt in the water. Mm -hmm. Because you know, if you eat too much salt, you get puffy. Yes. Well, water follows. Yeah, water follows salt in our body. So a little too much salt is bad. A little bit of salt is perfect because it's an electrolyte. It's sodium. Sodium, magnesium, and potassium are electrolytes that you need for tissue health and just the ability to hydrate all your tissues. Um, I really like Element. It's uh, hydration packets. Oh, yeah, I know it. What about the Quinton water? I like Quinton. I do. I use that too. Yeah, me too. I love it. Not everybody can. I get the big bottles. Not everybody can get their hands on those. And the little ones can get very expensive. Um, Quinton is not cheap. So any hydration packet is better than nothing. You know, I think part of the problem with um, beauty, healthcare, you know, biohacking in general is things get very expensive. It shouldn't be that expensive to take care of yourself well. And I think I'm, I, I, I struggle a little bit with the whole biohacking topic <laughs> because I feel like in a way, I think it's obviously important to know and to understand, but I think it's bringing us a little bit far from us and from the whole healing process. If you understand, you know, it's more like, I don't know, going back to the nature, connecting with the nature, connecting with ourselves, and, you know, less just having all these devices. I, I have one of my friends, she's using this Aura Ring. I'm using Aura Ring too. And uh, once I, 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 I slept to her house and I said, how did you sleep last night? And then she took the mobile. Let me check what Aura Ring said. <laughs> I was like, no, no. You know, they are like, I think in some way it's, they are amazing, but it's just such a fine line between. Agreed. Not Agreed. forgetting to connect with ourselves. Agreed. I think biohacking is a useful tool, but like anything else, at some point you need to put your tools down and be able to be healthy without having to intervene all the time. Unfortunately, we do live in a world where we are, like I live in a city and it's a dirty city. <laughs> LA is not, the air is not great. Um, there's a lot of chemical here. So it's hard, even though I live around nature, a lot of the time I don't get to the nature, right? Because I'm just busy. So I do love my red lights. I love my PMS mats. I like, I like bioengineering as long as it works well and it's not super expensive, but I don't feel like you should be living off of supplements. I don't feel like you should have to take things all the time. Supplements are just that. You supplement for a while and then you stop. I think getting into nature, taking vacations, drinking water, getting enough sleep, those are the main things. Doing sport. Exercise. Exercise. Um, laughing, enjoyment, dinner with friends. That's so, in so important. I mean, if you look at Blue Zones, you know, this is what they have that I know in America we have an issue with. So, but, you know, information is power. But I do find people get a little obsessive with their aura rings or their Fitbits. Um, and they forget to check in with how they actually feel. And that is more important than anything else. I think data is important. 
when, especially when it comes to hormones and women. I think too many women are playing guessing games with their hormones. I think that needs to change because we have the ability to get really great data and you can do amazing things for women. But where can we start with these hormones? Because it's such a broad mm. topic. Oh, it's huge. And it's huge. And I, I, I personally don't know where even to start with. And obviously now I'm, I just turned 40 and I really am trying to educate myself more and more into this topic as it yeah. was not such a, such a big problem. When you are young, you don't pay mm -hmm. so much attention of this, but now actually it's so important. Um, what, where can we start? Like, okay, we are listening to this podcast, but where can we start with the whole hormonal topic? Well, first things first is, have you been on birth control for more than five years in your life? If you are still on birth control, ask yourself, why are you on birth control? And do you need to be on birth control? That's a huge one. Anything over five years. Yeah. And what did all these birth control are doing to us and to our body and the price that we are paying for it? I mean, listen, it's beautiful to have the choice and it's important for women. But what they don't tell you is all the other stuff, right? And now it's starting to become, you know, the beauty of the world we live in now is the information is there and people are being challenged in a way that they weren't before and answers want, people want answers. So first things first, five years is okay because it's actually protective. Over five years, it starts to get a little dicey. It can affect your gallbladder. It's really affecting your liver and your liver is essential for your hormones and detoxification pathways of hormones, right? So those are the big issues, right? Your hormone pathways, like getting rid of dirty estrogen, becomes impeded as you get older. Then if you add taking hormones, exogenous hormones, and they're not bioidentical, right? So this is the difference between HRT and birth control. HRT is bioidentical, so your body can process it a lot easier exogenous um, oral contraceptives specifically, they are not bioidentical. So your body doesn't do the same things with them. So they can get really like backlogged in your system. And you do this year after year. I have patients who've been on birth control for 25, 30 years, and now they have problems. So it's just something to think about. Ask questions, do your research, ask yourself, you know, deeper questions. That's the first thing I would say. Second, I would go get a Dutch test. A Dutch test is a very extensive urine analysis to see where your deeper hormones are at. It breaks down your estrogen into three parts. Your testosterone it breaks down your progesterone into three different metabolites. And it tells you if your pathways are clear. And it starts to tell you if you have an overburden of dirty estrogen. Once you know that, you can start working at it in your early 40s. Because you're already in perimenopause, even if you don't feel like you have symptoms. And then talk to your women friends, because <laughs> I think for far too long, it was something we just suffered through in silence. Yeah. Like we are ashamed of talking about this topic, which at the end of the day, we are all having. And um, we, we have to be open about this topic so much. Absolutely. Well, it also goes back to the beauty industry, right? So women lose their worth as they age. So we're trying to stay 20 using fillers, Botox to the point that you cannot be immortal. This is something that you can't fix. You can't fix aging. 
you are going to age. You start aging the day you're born. So there's nothing to fix. It's about transitioning well. It's about moving with grace through these transitions. And the only way to do that is if you're supported through those transitions. So having the conversations, not trying to stay 32 forever, you know, even on your face, (laughs) you know, um, you know, embracing aging in a way that has grace behind it. I think that's where I come from more than anything Me else. Me too. I, I fully, I, I, I'm so aligned with that and I really understand it. And again, it starts with a journey that it's, it's from, from inside us and we try to figure out what, why we are actually trying to look like 20, even though we have, we are 40. And, you know, it's a, it's a good question um, that we should um, take time and answer. What other ideas and advices um, can you give us uh, on how individuals can unlock and maintain ageless beauty, particularly for those who are 40 and beyond? I guess we have to go into the idea of Botox. We should talk about Botox. Botox actually in the long run will age you. It will age you. So if we use it, but how? You have to explain me. I never did Botox, so I have to understand. Because yeah. I have some friends that did do it and they said, oh, actually, you should start. You should already start or you, oh, it's too late. You should start much earlier <laughs> um, because like this, you kind of prepare prepare your skin. Never did it before, so. It's complicated, right? Yeah, I, I have to figure out. Stay away from it as long as possible. <laughs> so tell me everything about it. Right. So, I, I mean, I'll probably get pushback on this from... Um, plastic surgeons and nurse practitioners who apply it. But the reality is, is the baby Botox idea is ridiculous to me. I'm taking 20-year-old girls and making them get Botox so they don't age. Yeah. For the 20-year-old, I understand. But for example, when you are uh, 40 and beyond, 35. That's where most women start really looking at themselves is in their 30s. But unfortunately, with social media, it's being pushed back even further. Yeah. So. Your skin on your face is the only place on your body that your skin attaches directly to muscle. Everywhere else, your skin glides over muscle. It surrounds it, but it's not attached. That's why you can move it differently. So what happens is when you put a ton of Botox in your forehead, let's just talk about the forehead specifically, you start to atrophy the muscles that lift your eyebrows, right? That's, that's the main goal is to, and you paralyze the muscle and then the skin smooths. When you get wrinkles in your forehead, the wrinkles are coming from you scrunching your face over years and it's just fascia, right? So you have fascia underneath there and it creates these lines. And that's why gua sha is amazing because you can actually start to remold those lines. And same thing with microneedling, you're remolding the lines. But what happens is you do this and you'll hear women who've been using Botox for a long time and they say, oh my God, it's just not lasting as long. They're getting it more often or they're getting more of it. There's a reason. The tissue underneath is losing its integrity. And when that integrity of the tissue, because of atrophy, it sags. Because this, and then the skin is attached to it. So it makes your head, all the muscles heavier. And the skin is going to follow those muscles. So when you see women who have, I mean, you can see it in Hollywood. 
the really heavy jawline. And they look like almost puppet-like, very high cheeks, very sunken in cheek, but like uh, by their mouth. And then their jawline is very, very heavy. When you age, everything goes towards the jawline. So by constantly atrophying tissue, you're pushing everything down towards the jawline. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I'm just completely shocked now. And I try to imagine different uh, Hollywood um, actresses that they are kind of aligned with your description. Yeah. I mean, everything, what you want to do, and in general, you always want to lift from the forehead because all the muscles below your eyes are really, are really going to be affected by the forehead. So by lifting it, you're kind of lifting everything. But over time, it's one thing to go get Botox every now and again. I'm never going to say no to everything because I understand why women do it. And I don't want to shame women for doing anything that makes them feel good. But it's really about how much they're doing. I mean, women's bank accounts. <laughs> yeah. And what is the reaction? Like you mentioned, what really happens if you over exaggerating that actually it's you became you, you look older than before. And then on top of it, I think it sets a precedence for women in general If girls are doing this in their 20s now, and they're going to be yeah. 40 one day, what is it saying about women that we're not good enough if we don't look this way and we're creating this alternate version of a woman that is literally unattainable without cosmetic procedures? You know, when did we change what beauty was for women? You know, and who is in charge of that? And do you know who Paulina Poroskova is? Yes, I love I love uh, her beauty. It's she's 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 amazing. She's amazing and she's really pushing that, you know, like she's yes. had no work done on her face as a supermodel. And she's gorgeous. Yes, she And is. I I really appreciate her her platform right now. Yes, and, that's, and her honesty. Mhm. Mm and listen, I won't say I do what they call Versa. It's a hyaluronic acid. I do two injections a year in my cheeks because I've lost so much volume. But it's so minimal. It's so minimal, but it's a filler. Filler has a different type of uh, function. Filler stays and it helps you produce more collagen. But I don't get, I, I mean, I do one syringe between both sides, maybe twice a year. And that's it, you know, but I don't do Botox because that will age me. So there's a, You know, it's just knowing why you're doing things and how much you're doing it. Yeah. And they are not, there are so much noise there that you don't know what you should believe and what you should not. And there are all these stories, uh, like, you know, you can look like 20 years younger. What do you think about retinol? Retinol is great. Um, retinol, I have no problem with retinol. There's differences between retinol and retinol. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it's really, you just need to know your skin type. Can you explain us a little bit? I know that because it, it's so much controversy about that, or should I use it? But actually, as far as my knowledge, depends of what level of retinol or retinol you're using, your skin can really adapt to it. Can you explain us um, more about it? You know, I'm not an esthetician, so that's a little bit more in the esthetician field. Mm -hmm. um, but I do use certain retinols. I use a low amount. Um, but I'm a little bit more in the glycolic. I like glycolic on my skin a little bit better because I have thicker skin. My my body likes glycolic a little bit more. 
Um, but rose hips has natural retinol in it, and that's what I use. Um, I use kind of all most of my. I'm not someone who has a ton of product. <laughs> um, I use pretty natural products on my skin, and I always have. So it's hard to say. I think it's a very individual thing, and I think you should go to a really good holistic facialist, and they'll give you really good information based on your skin type. And I think even just using gua sha and um, all these devices, just maybe 10 minutes per day, right? In the evening. Yeah. I also really like uh, radio frequency. Yeah. I love it too. Those are great because they do a lot of contraction to the tissue. I love, um, there's a woman called, who has an, uh, an application called Face Toned. It's yoga for your face, Pilates for your face. You're exercising the muscles. Your face has muscles, which we use incorrectly because we make faces. We talk, we sleep on them. So by stimulating function of the tissue and the muscles underneath, you could really change the way your whole face looks. It just takes time. So it's about patience. Time. I, have, I have a device that I'm using. It's called Spectra Sculpt. And I use 15 minutes per day. And uh, I mean, now I use it for one year and a half. And I really could see results but obviously it's not like you don't see it immediately it's just every day i really i really probably took a break of a few days but the rest 15 minutes i just use it even when i drive my daughter uh to the school <laughs> i just take it with me and um I, i i could really see um results when you are a little bit lazy of doing a facial massage absolutely i mean that's the main thing right like It's really about persistence of skincare. There's no quick fix for aging. There is no, <laughs> I mean, there's a quick fix, but it has long-term yeah. byproduct. So it's really just about making sure that you are maintaining. You can leave it for a week and not do it and it's okay. You can go on vacation without it. Your whole face isn't going to fall apart. <laughs> but <laughs> the more often you do these things, the better results in long-term aging you're going to see. Um, the skin is going to be in better quality, better shape. I mean, listen, if you look at us in our 40s, I'm 47, you're 40. And then you amazing. look at say, our you mothers. Look amazing. Oh, thank you. Congratulations. You look at women 25, 30 years ago, our mm -hmm. mothers, yeah. they probably didn't age as well because they didn't do any of this stuff unless they were just naturally had great skin. But most women didn't age. We look younger than most, even if we're not doing Botox and fillers. And it has to do with the fact that women now exercise more than women in the past. Women pay attention to their nutrition more than they did in the past. You know, these we have better skincare products. We talk about it. And we take hormone replacement. <laughs> a lot of women do. And that's going to be a huge factor too. It's a decision at certain points that you should have to make for yourself. And I would really investigate it. And don't be afraid of it. There's no shame in HRT. You raised a lot, a lot of topics that definitely <laughs> we have to talk more about it, hopefully in the, in the future episodes. Absolutely. I'd love to. I'm very curious for our listeners. We, we touched a little bit the topic, but I wanted to ask you who, um, if you can give us some practical tips, like five simple but effective strategies of or beauty hacks that they can incorporate, um, that we can incorporate in our daily lives to achieve uh, some improvements in, in our skin overall. 
Um, okay, yes, I definitely say radio frequency device. Absolutely. Number one. Number one. So I will list everything and I'll keep it listed. Um, laughing. I think it's really important for your skin. Laughing. Laughing. It's really important for your skin. <laughs> Hydration. Hydration, but be, we have to pay attention how we hydrate. So Absolutely. We have to put the sea salt in the water. How mm-hmm. much water should we actually drink at the end? You know, that's a controversial topic as well, I like know. everything else. <laughs> I would say... Because we are anyway all different too. I pretty much think eight to 10 ounces, uh, like glasses per day, decent sized glasses per day. That would be my take. Because then you know, but if you're drinking a ton of coffee or a ton of like black or green tea, a little bit more just because they're very dehydrating. You know, some people will say sunscreen. I'll say sun hats. <laughs> yes. I'm a big fan. I, I like the sun. I think the sun Me is too. important. I think we um, demonize the sun. But if you're very fair skin, sunscreen because you're fair skinned. Um, vitamin C oil. If you have any skin conditions, any skin conditions, vitamin C oil is really important. And then um, digestion. Work on your digestion. If you have digestive issues, figure out what they are and make sure that you're addressing them because it's internal, moving outward. And sleep. Those are the big ones, but... Eight hours. Eight hours minimum. <laughs> minimum. Minimum. And I think it depends even where you go to sleep because if you're going to sleep at 1 p.m. and you sleep until, sure. I don't know, 10, yeah, it's not the same. When are you going to sleep, Angela? I usually go to bed by minimum 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. But I sleep until 8. I, that's my circadian rhythm. It always has been. I'm a good sleeper. When I don't have good sleep, I do not look good. <laughs> I yeah. like my sleep. Um, I guess the, the minimum for women is 7 hours because we're hormonal. Women actually need more sleep than men. So there's definitely a relationship there. And then, you know, also gua sha, wonderful. Cupping, wonderful. But when you do any of these practices, make sure you're following someone. If it's an Instagram, who I highly recommend is a woman named Lan Shen. She is acupuncture, Chinese medicine, strictly facial. That's what she, she specializes in. It. She's out of New York. I send all my patients there when they want someone to follow because she's got it all. And she does it properly because there's a lot of people doing it improperly. Um, and then there's the facial cupping, uh, the cupping face, the facial cupping expert. She's, I believe, out of Spain. She has great tutorials. If you can text me afterwards their name to make sure, and I will absolutely um, add it on uh, on the bottom of uh, of the podcast description. That'll be great. Otherwise, we'll explode the. Uh, the questions sure. on, on our sure. Instagram. I can send you their profiles on Instagram so you have them. That would be amazing. Yeah. And then I also recommend uh, lymphatic drainage. Lymphatic drainage is really important just for overall health for women because of the pathways. We talked about those. If your body's not detoxifying, we have five pathways. And I'll send you a profile of the woman who does proper detoxification techniques and lymphatic drainage. So you know you're doing it correctly because there's a lot of people on Instagram and, you know, YouTube and they're just not doing it. They have no credentialing. So we want to make sure that we're following people. We're following the people who actually know what they're doing. 
the right people. Exactly. That's so important. That's why I love, I love this space where I can really invite uh, all the specialists that they can really help us to really get the right answers to our questions and not just a trend that it's coming now. And then it's, we don't even know what's happening after that. Where can we find you? Please come uh, to Europe. <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> I would love to. Well, I'm trying to get out to Switzerland, but um, it's hard when you have a um, brick and mortar practice to take off. But I know, but we can maybe do a holiday in LA and we can organize a group of uh, my uh, European friends and we can do some some parts maybe in Italy or in Switzerland where we can learn more and benefit more of it. I'm a firm believer in, in retreats. Like retreats are wonderful. <laughs> I think they're wonderful. I know. And we need so much and we need this woman community where we can learn from each other and we can connect, uh, not only virtual, but just like, just be there together. So let's talk about, let's work on it. And um, I'm sure that we need that. And uh, I will make sure to add your beautiful website and your Instagram that I really hope that you can share more and more of your know-how because you are such a gift and you have so much wisdom and we need that. We need that, Angela. I appreciate that. That's very sweet. I love what I do and I love being able to give women information. I love giving people information because I might not be the person for you to go see, but I think that there are Sometimes people just need to be pushed in the right direction. And knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. And then you can take it from there. Thank you so much, Angela, for all the wisdoms that you share with, uh, with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And that brings us to the end of another captivating episodes of Dream Again with the incredible Angela Laurino. Angela, thank you for sharing your profound wisdom and shedding light on the ancient Chinese beauty secrets that can transform our approach to skincare. Your expertise in acupuncture, herbal medicine and massage therapy has provided invaluable insights for our listeners. To you, my dear friend, the one that is listening now, thank you for joining us on this transformative journey. We hope you found Angela's insights enlightening and empowering. Remember, it's never too late to embrace self-care and unlock the secrets to radiant, youthful skin. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to Dream Again and stay tuned for future episodes where we continue to explore fascinating topics and invite remarkable guests who inspire us to dream bigger, live bolder and embrace the infinitive possibilities that life offers. Until next time, keep dreaming, keep believing and never stop pursuing the extraordinary. Please check the show notes in the description for more insights. You can also subscribe to my newsletter at krinaokumus.com to get additional information. If you like this episode, share it with your friends and family on social media. I will also appreciate if you would leave a review on the Apple podcast. I love to get your inputs as this will help us to understand how can we support you in your journey. And don't be afraid to share your story with us. We are all here together. And remember, it is time to dream again. It is time.